Chiefs rookie minicamp is in the books. Who makes the impression and who makes the cut today on Locked On Chiefs? From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back, friends and neighbors. It is Locked On Chiefs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day for free on every platform. Make sure you get subbed over on YouTube and all the audio platforms. Thanks for making us your first listen. Check out another Lockdown Show for your next one as we all get geared up for what is the beginning of rookie minicamp, OTAs, and onward and upward to the 2023 season. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and Performance Consulting, your home of the Athletic Matrix and the NFL Draft Guide, as well as NFL33.com and RGR Football. And I'm Chris Clark from Chiefs Corner. There's a lot to talk about when we start talking about the rookies and how this rookie camp went. Uh, we do not have, as we are recording this right now, that has not been announced any additional players that they invited to camp that they signed. So that's something that we'll probably be covering on Tuesday. I would imagine we'll get some of those rolling in tomorrow. But as of right now, we do not have that information. And that we don't have information is, is perfectly fine because some people made an impression already and it doesn't really matter that they haven't been signed uh the chiefs are going to be secretive about that we all know that but this was a really interesting group because there's so many variations this is a super bowl championship roster that you're trying to fill a few holes for you had draft picks that were available and there over the weekend you had udfas that have been signed and you had a whole lot of of invite camp type players there's a lot there, but the guy who made the initial big impression, uh, GC released some media off of it. You can see it over in RGR football as well as my timeline. Uh, it is Nick Jones, a, a late round draft pick that comes in and makes an initial play. A guy that when you go back and you watch how he was evaluating what Dave Merritt did with him at the combine, a little bit of one-on-one -on -one time there in between drills. Merritt was running some of the defensive back drills at the combine, and obviously we know that they've spent some time together. We know that they did a lot of film evaluation and had some contact as well. This is a guy they wanted to come in because they felt that he fit. And I don't think everybody saw that coming because of everything that they put into the draft last year at the cornerback position. This is a guy that I think in Nick Jones that has to make a big impression, not only now, like he did getting an interception in his first practice, but moving forward and getting into camp, he has to set himself apart if he's going to compete with the 2022 class. No, he absolutely has to. And, you know, you look at, but the, the other part of that is they're going to keep five corners at least. They could keep six. So, I mean, he has a little bit of a chance to make this roster. Uh, seventh round draft pick usually could be a fringe roster spot, especially on the Super Bowl team. But it is possible he makes this roster and they're going to keep five. They could keep six. They have before. Wouldn't shock me. Really quick, I just want to throw this out there since we haven't covered this. Uh, Felix Anaduke Uzama, number 97. Rice is number four. Morris, number 64. Connor, 27. Thompson, 53. Coburn, 99. And Jones is 31. Just want to get that out there since we haven't talked about it yet so far. And I'll probably call somebody by their number. But Felix Anaduke Uzama is probably the guy that I am most interested in seeing the adjustment because he, he's just not going to play like he played at K-State. Um, it's just that straightforward. Wasn't able to participate in team drills this first weekend. And we know that he's had an ongoing foot thing uh, through the draft process. I'm not terribly worried about it, but I'm really anxious to see him. And I do think when we get to the OTA uh, second phase, we need to see him step into that role to give them an idea of what they have to work with off the bat. I visualize him at least in the first half of the season before the bye, 
to be kind of a second, third down type pass rush only type player. I don't see him playing the run or being a starter um, on first down right out of the bat. No, and that wouldn't surprise me. And I do think that there's a possibility that he has another injury that we don't know about. Uh, I would imagine that we'll find out a little bit more on Monday when Andy Reid talks. Although, of course, with Kansas City, who knows? Because sometimes they tell you, sometimes they just say, oh, well, he's got an injury, and you find out no more. Uh, so FAU, I, I guess the way I look at it, yes, you'd like him to be in OTAs. But really, the more important thing for me is get him healthy for training camp, get him healthy, get him ready. Uh, he can look at the playbook and try to figure out the plays from that. Yes, you'd like to see him on the field, but they knew going into the draft, if he has an injury, they knew what his injury was. They were still fine drafting him. I'm sure he'll be ready to go by training camp. I, and I know you guys are out there saying, Ryan, you don't make any sense. Yes, I, I'm doing my best Boondock Saints impersonation. I know it's either off the bat or out of the gate, and I kind of combine those there. Sorry about that, but uh, sometimes I get ahead of myself. But Felix DK Uzama is the guy that you have to put your focus on because he's the first-round pick. And I think he's got the room to maneuver, but he's not the only K-State guy. I do want to shout out uh, Boyzo uh, Eco. I think that's how it's pronounced, and I'm terrible with pronunciations, and you all know that, so bear with me a little bit. But not only is he a K-State product, but he's from Lawrence, so you get that nice kind of representation of the entire state. There's a number of Mizzou players in rookie camp, and uh, even a Missouri State, so kudos to uh, Kyrick McDonald, uh, another strong safety. A lot of DBs in this camp, but a lot spread across of whether it's rookies, whether it's uh, guys that are back after having had a year of experience, um, there's a number of players that qualify for that. Jerry Ely, uh, Ty Freifogel is in rookie camp. Uh, Chris uh, Ludicon is, is – yep. yeah. uh, so you have you have that qualification. The interesting thing is we didn't see, at least on, on the roster that I received, I didn't see Justin Ross. So I, I think there's something going on there in terms of the injury designation. I know he was on IR, but I would have hoped that he'd be available for this because he should be eligible. We'll hopefully know more as the second phase of OTAs works on, and hopefully we'll get to see Justin Ross as well because I know a lot of folks are asking questions about it. That's very interesting. I Yeah, I noticed that he wasn't on that roster, and it is very interesting to think, why wasn't he there when you got a guy like Jerry Ely that was? Is it injury related? He looks like he's back from injury, so I don't think it's actual injury related. But is it is it related to him being on IR last year? I can't imagine that that would be the case, but I don't know what the what the specific rules of this rookie minicamp are. And and uh, he's going to be at OTAs. You know, he's going to be there for that. So it'll be real interesting to see what happens with OTAs. And we got to know some of the the draft picks, some of the UDFAs a little bit in some uh, pressers this weekend. Uh, we're going to go over initial impressions and then. Who are we looking for to, to make a chance, make a run at OTAs, and even possibly a camp invite on the backside of this? And I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and the calories, then you've got to try the best-tasting protein bar ever, Built. You absolutely have to try these. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, that's 100% real dark chocolate, and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't even need to wait to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you can still get your specialty flavors at Built.com. 
That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate bar, or coconut puff. And at Sam's, you can grab a 13-bar box with Hit Flavors, Brownie Batter Puff, and Churro Puff. You can thank us later. And Ryan's muted himself. Try to be respectful when you're doing a read, and then I forget to come back off of mute. Uh, but I do want to give you guys a heads up ourselves about some of the, the players that I think are make, starting to make an impression. Uh, and the first one is uh, Nico Remigio, who I think has an opportunity here to not only get himself invited to camp, but he has an outside shot at the roster, in my opinion, because he alleviates the issue for every other wide receiver. And that is he is a kick return specialist. I think it's his best attribute. And I think he's a guy that can take the load off of whether it's Skymore or whether it's Kadarius or whether it's someone else. I'd like not to see Pacheco take uh, kicks anymore. We just found out over the weekend that he was hurt through the playoffs in both a, a torn shoulder labrum as well as a fracture to his hand. Like, let's give the starters a rest. I'd like to have a designated returner this year. Yeah, and I'm glad you bring that up. Pacheco was playing with a torn labrum. It sounded like during the season, not just necessarily during the playoffs, and he broke his hand, broke the bone in his wrist between his wrist and his hand. Uh, it sounds like the AFC Championship weekend and still played in the Super Bowl and didn't seem to face him at all. So tough guy, and, and I'm really glad he was there. I don't think Kansas City wins the Super Bowl without him, just to be honest with the way he played. Uh, got out some of those yards. And they absolutely should try to find somebody that can do the kick returning ends, uh, whether it's kick returns or punt returns or both. Uh, I think that's a good call. And it's it'll be curious to me, can he be both a kick returner and a gunner? Because if you can be a core guy and play all four of those positions, then you solidify your chance on the roster. And maybe he becomes that sixth wide receiver. Yeah, and that's that's difficult when you're 5'0", 9'0", and 187 pounds, but it's in the realm of possibility. So let's hope, because I think that helps the entire thing. I, I know it probably makes Dave Tobe happy, a guy with a lot of kick return experience. Um, so just take the pressure off. But there's other guys that I'm looking for, and we should start at the top in the wide receiver spot. Ty Freifogel obviously has a year of experience, but hasn't really latched on yet. I'm waiting for that. I feel like he has the possibility. There's Zane Pope, too, that a lot of folks are talking about. He's an older prospect, but also from Fresno State, uh, a teammate of uh, Remigio. Uh, and then there is, obviously, the draft pick. Uh, <laughs> she Rice was out there. Yeah, you got to hope for that. But who stood out to you? Who are you hoping for? Who are you pulling for? Uh, I know you're, you're as happy as I am that there's two fullbacks at rookie camp. You know, So there's there's possibilities here. Could care less. Uh, <laughs> no, I will say this, you know, one of the things that I really have enjoyed over the past couple of seasons is the number changes, uh, to some extent, uh, I like wide receivers going to a different number and, and really it's going to feel awkward to see number four as a wide receiver, uh, but <laughs> it is what it is. So, uh, I'm really excited to see what Rice can do. And, you know, you got Ty Freifogel. I, what we need to be careful of is who's going to take over at OTAs because OTAs aren't with pads OTAs are in shorts OTAs are going to be something that are going to help the wide receivers look better than they maybe are. So you need to be careful on that. But that's one of the positions that I'm always going to be looking at just because Kansas city doesn't have a ton of depth there. We know, we think we know their top four, top five, maybe even wide receivers, but it's the depth that really is a problem. Yeah. 
And that's the way that it comes down. Who who can step forward? And I, I give a little bit of credence to Freipo, just having been around a little bit. But there's it's open to possibility. There's there's a lot there. Now, this is a team that has a lot of experience as well and just made an investment in, in the second round again at the wide receiver spot. So it's not exactly like an easy slope to climb, but you can get there. Yeah, and I think that that's very important to point out. I do think that they're going to continue drafting wide receivers year in and year out because – if you look at the cost of keeping a high-value veteran wide receiver, it's going to be over $15 million a year. So I do think that that's going to continue. I think they're going to continue taking one in the top three rounds each year. But the other thing I will say is one of the biggest reasons why Justin Ross is going to have a hard time making this roster is he has to make this roster as a top-four wide receiver. If he doesn't make the roster as a top-four wide receiver, he can't be here because he's not going to be a core special teams guy. And those fifth and sixth wide receivers have to be core special teamers. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, he can always learn that, but it's an uphill battle. And that's one more thing that you have to prove. Everybody has something to prove. And on the offensive line, there's a couple of guys that I do want to point out. Mike Caliendo gets to practice again. Uh, He did for the rookie mini camp, and then he will continue through OTAs, even though he was around last season. He has one year of experience. Um, Sebastian Gutierrez also has that as well. Um, but was not with the Chiefs, so he's still a tryout player. And then you get to the two, the three guys. Sorry that I'm that I'm pulling for. One is Hardy Anderson, who I think is underrated uh, from Appalachian State. I didn't get to see a ton of film on App State, but what I saw, I liked, and I do think that he has an outside chance to be somebody that can, can push for a backup role here in the interior offensive line. He's listed as a center, but he can play all three. And then you get Quentin Barrow, the tackle. Uh, from Grand Valley State, a, a storied program, but small school, right? So there's a leap there. And then the one that I want to ask you about, it, it comes down to this. Wanya Morris is obviously going to be a part of this team and on this roster. You're a draft pick. That's the way that it goes. But it's it's Jerome Carvin, who he played with the Tennessee and also played with Trey Smith, who can do a little bit of everything, another interior possibility player that is here on a tryout basis. I don't know if he makes this uh, 53, but I do think he should get an invite to camp, and that's Jerome Carver. Carver. Yeah, and the the curious thing to me is when you start getting to a point where Kansas City is at right now, you've got, what, eight guys that we think are pretty much a lock for the offensive line, maybe nine that are almost a lock. I don't think they're keeping 10 offensive linemen. You have to wonder if one of those guys is going to end up on it with a mystery IR designation, uh, as Kansas City likes to do mm-hmm. uh, from time to time, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see who is going to be able to shake out on that offensive line because right now you've already got, like I said, eight positions pretty much figured out, maybe even nine. It's going to be really hard to unseat any of those guys. It is. And it's not the only ones. There's battles everywhere. And we started talking about defense. We're going to rotate back to defense and who has a chance in this next phase to maybe make some noise. We'll see if they get signed. We'll talk about the defensive side of the ball at rookie minicamp right after this. Now, clearly, Antico Ozama obviously is out there. Uh, B.J. Thomas got in front of the press this weekend. Uh, another guy that really talked specifically about his interaction with Joe Cullen and how uh, Joe had a private workout with him after the pro day. And that, I think, goes a long way because he is he is a guy that is, let, let's, let's be honest, he's thin uh, in the lower body. He's got to put some girth on there. He talked about the fact that he is expecting and they've discussed about him gaining weight because right now he's listed at 243 at six foot six. The man's a little on the thin side, 
But if he can put on 15 quality pounds, I think B.J. Thompson is a guy that not only can grow and develop into a player, but he's somebody that can contribute this season, whether it's on teams only or whether it's somebody that could do some spot duty in case of need. Well, when you talk about 15 pounds, that sounds like a lot. But when you're talking about an NFL weight room, an NFL regimen, uh, if you're eating right and you're doing things that the team is telling you to do, you can add those pounds. I would say he could easily be adding those 15 pounds by September or October. Uh, just doing workouts the right way and really buying into the program. And it sounds like he's really excited to be in Kansas City. He really enjoyed his time with Joe Cullen from what I saw. And he is excited to be playing for Cullen. And I think Cullen really likes the kid as well. So I do expect that there's going to be some things that Cullen is going to kind of play into Thompson's wheelhouse a little bit, I guess that is is what I would say. I would think so. Um, A very springy, explosive athlete. He can play backwards as well. He can do some of those three, four outside linebacker drops that they like to use from time to time. He's a guy that can fill in some of the gaps and keep you unpredictable. I think that's important. The other guy that's going to be unpredictable, and I love the fact that there's a snacks on this roster now, and Keandre Coburn (laughs) is going to be on this roster. Now, he's not the athlete that Colin Saunders was, but he's wearing 99, and I think he's a guy that can contribute right away because he's got more pass rush win rate than anybody else, he's top 10 in this class in winning as a pass rusher inside. And I think that's something that's a little bit different. Obviously, Derek Nottie's back to start next to Chris Jones. But you have questions about Turk Wharton, right? Are they going to move Mike Danny in on passing downs? Or a Menahue if you're going to have Felix be outside, right? Who can give you pass rush with a little bit of girth inside? Listed at, two, at 332. Kendrick Coburn is the answer to that question, and I'm pretty certain he's going to play a bigger role than most people think this season. The guy that weighs 332 is going to play a big role. Okay, fair enough. I know. I'm just connecting dots out here. Yeah, fair enough. Touche. I will say I think that from what I saw from Coburn, it looks like he's going to be a really fun player to have in Kansas City. Uh, He seems really excited to be here, and he seems like he's going to be a guy that's going to buy into the locker room and be somebody that can you know step in and, and really help on the defensive line. And you're right. You know, you have Naughty back, but at the same time, he doesn't give you anything really pass rush-wise. Yeah, I know he's got a sack, but pass rush-wise, he just doesn't have it. And with, you know, Turk Wharton, who knows whether or not he's going to be able to be as explosive as he was last year before the injury. I mean, with an ACL, it's going to be tough. So, yeah. But if Coburn is able to step in and be a guy that can go in with Chris Jones and play inside and do that on second and third down – uh, it gives you a chance to get after the passer. And quite frankly, I'll say this. Say what you want about Chris Jones being out there for every pass rush rep that you can have him out there, and that's what you want. But he's still going to have some reps off. Coburn's going to have a chance to be on the field when Jones isn't mm-hmm. at times as well. Yep. So there's going to be times. And, and quite frankly, this goes back to what I said before on Coburn a couple of weeks ago. He's a guy that can step in and be one of those guys that can clog the middle for the Jalen Hurts conversion because <laughs> you know it's coming they didn't do yep. much to add to their their offensive side of the ball in uh philadelphia so you know they're doubling down until that thing's outlawed they're going to keep running it down everybody's throat uh, the, the well, really and, I, and i would expect i would expect other teams are going to start trying to do it too yeah i would think so but not everybody has jalen hurt so i'm not as that's true about it but we'll find out uh, the other interesting thing, when we look at the roster that was at, at minicamp, and, and folks, we should have uh, some signing information uh, by Tuesday's show. should come out here uh, in the afternoon on Monday is the expectation. But Fingers one guy crossed. 
yeah, hey, knock on wood and everything else. Um, one guy who was really interesting to me that I wasn't able to get film on pre-draft, and that was the Harvard uh, pass rusher, defensive end, uh, Truman Jones. They listed him as a designated pass rusher on this roster this weekend. First time they've used that designation in at least eight years. So that tells me he's got some juice coming off the edge. Is it enough to get him an OTA uh, signing? Can he get into camp? Can he show something there? I'm really intrigued to see that player because I haven't had a glimpse of him yet. It'll be interesting if they're using a different designation like that uh, for a guy like him. I'll be really interested to see what they do with that because yeah. that, that is out there. Yeah, I, I'm with you. A couple of Missouri guys are in the mix, I have to say, as well. Uh, Manuel Martinez. I'm sorry, Manuel Martez, sorry. Uh, all these names are always fun to play with here as we get everybody coming down. But uh, also, long snapper Jake Hoffman, I think, uh, might be able to stick around for camp as a, as a backup. You want to have a little bit of uh, youth, maybe a little bit of variability there in some of your specialists. Uh, I know everyone would like to have a Jayhawk on this roster right now. It's just not coming to fruition, but everybody else gets somebody from their school. So uh, rookie minicamp was a success as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and man, you look at what this roster could be. I will say Truman Jones is actually already signed, so he will be in OTAs as long as they don't make a move and let him go. Uh, he was a guy that they signed as EDFA. As EDFA, so, okay, great. Yeah, so he will be there. I'm really curious just to see how many moves they make because it seems like every single year, and this is what we're talking about with the Tuesday versus Wednesday time frame, it seems like every year, at least two or three, if not four or five guys end up coming to minicamp and getting signed afterwards. Mm -hmm. And right now, I don't, I'd have to look, uh, and I will try to look that up as we're, as we're finishing up here, but I don't think the Chiefs have a full 90 man roster at this point. That was my expectation. And like the, the bottom of, especially of the 90, but even the 53 in those, in that 56 to 69 range that which includes the bulk of the practice squad there's always that churn that's all there's always that movement and i do think for putting together the camp roster and the guys that are going to get signed to participate in otas i i think you got to widen that out you got to try to get as scary as as tracy type 90 man as you can right now to see what you can develop because the whole league is gunning for you yet again. We all know that the fact that the chiefs couldn't make any draft day trades, I think sets that apart right off the bat. So the smallest of margins, the smallest of additions that can give you a play here or a play there, a, a, a block kick on special teams. Uh, you know, that, that last pressure that, that forces a quarterback to throw the ball away. These are the things that I think are going to come down and be more and more important as 23 goes on and 24 goes on and 25 goes on as the whole league comes gunning for this roster. Yeah. And I don't quote me on this, but as of right now, as we're recording this over the cap has Kansas city at 74 players, which means they have 16 open spots. I would imagine there's some UDFAs that weren't added to that list and there are still going to be a couple more, but I still think they have a couple more uh, possibilities for guys that they can bring in and sign. And I do expect that to get filled out by the time, uh, they really get into OTA at least session three because I think they've already started session two. So, but I guarantee that'll be filled by training camp. Yeah, phase session. I can't keep it all straight at this point um, because of the terminology. But just lastly tonight, I was just informed by a 
some of you out there in Twitter land, which I very much appreciate. Looks like an XFL player is coming to the Chiefs, uh, going to be invited to the next phase. Uh, Akin Moladun, uh, his first name is Freedom. Gotta love that. So I think he's going to fit right in in Kansas City. We'll see what he brings to the table. Uh, Big DT from the XFL. So it is continual. We're going to have updates. They're going to keep churning this roster. And as we move forward and we see what goes on in OTA, hopefully we'll have more information for you on guys that you want to hear about, like Justin Ross and who's coming back and how does Lucas Niang look and what does this roster look like? You talk about Justin Ross. There's also John Ross, which I obviously is a long shot to make the roster as well. As well, uh, Amir Smith Marset, mm-hmm. another guy that you know was drafted by I think the Vikings a couple of years ago. There's some different wide receivers on this roster that are going to have a hard time making the roster, but I think that they're going to make it interesting at least. Yeah, I think Marset's going to compete. I will tell you that. I could see him pulling that out, but let's see what they look like as we get into OTAs. Yes, folks, I know the draft was like five seconds ago, but it is on to 2023. We are rolling, and so is this team. Make sure you like, sub, and hit the bell. Make sure you check out the rest of the Locked On show. We're going to talk. Who are the edge rushers that can make a difference? How does this defensive front come together this week? Matt Derrick will join us. We'll take a look in depth about what is the combination of slot receivers going to look like on this roster later in the week. We have plenty to go over. We're here five days a week, just like we are the rest of the year. We hope that you will join us. Make sure you like, sub, and hit the bell on YouTube, as well as the audio platforms. Have a great week. Happy Monday, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.